you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by the great, well-built Chris <laughs> Wessling. <laughs> That's just untrue, but thank you. Very, very, uh, you know, I saw on Facebook you are now in a softball league in Santa Monica. Thanks to Rhino. Rhino King, Jim Rhino King, who is one of our editors at NFL.com. You are assimilating into California culture. That is very exciting. That was the one thing I needed, a softball team. That's what got me assimilated into Tybee culture in the first place. Yes, an avid softball player. Also, you're an avid cornhole player, uh, one of the greats of all time, according to yourself. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to uh, you know, getting some lessons from the Babe Ruth of cornhole. Lessons will be forthcoming. Um, all right, so it's Wes and I today. It was supposed to be Mark and I, but we had a little change of plans. Uh, but we also will be calling Greg Rosenthal, our boss, who is in Canton at the Hall of Fame, for all the festivities there. A couple bits of housekeeping. Again, we are on iTunes now. Alex Wilk, behind the glass, got it done. A got man, it done. A man of integrity and preparation and good cheer. Uh, so you can go there and subscribe and download and also rate us. Uh, according to Wilk Ty, the higher rating we get, the more love we get on the iTunes page, and that's good. So if you could do that. And, you know, while we're here, thank you very much to our listeners uh, even from going back to the debate club days who, you know, chimed in a lot on Twitter to Mark and I saying, how do we get the show? And now we have the show on a, a larger platform. So this is exciting. Did you know I checked my phone last night and my podcast app? We were the number one podcast on the new what is new and noteworthy. Well, hello, Larry. <laughs> Did you hear that, Wilk? Yeah, I, I made that happen. So I was <laughs> pulling aware the of strings that. of the great and powerful Oz. Yeah. The next thing we need to do is update the uh, the logo, which looks like it was made by a seventh grader in uh, you know one of those computer workshop classes in junior high. Yeah, my favorite thing about the logo is that it's, it's quite clearly a college football and not an NFL football. <laughs> That's quite an oversight <laughs> that we've made there. All right, so okay, we're working on that too. So we're working out the kinks, but the big stuff is there now. We're on iTunes, so. 
let's uh, let's keep rolling with that. Uh, today we have several topics to get to. We're going to talk about QB battles. We're going to talk about some teams that maybe are a little bit under the radar in training camp right now. And uh, but the place we need to start, I think, is Riley Cooper. Again, we talked about him on Wednesday. Riley Cooper, uh, he of the uh, racial slur at the Kenny Chesney concert. The Eagles teammates initially seemed to get behind him and say, you know, we know who Riley is. On Wednesday night, that's how it was playing out. And then on Thursday, we heard from LaShawn McCoy, who maybe painted the other side of the picture, which was, I, you know, I lost a friend and I, don't, I can't trust him or whatever exactly he said, but it was along those lines. Now Friday comes, and Wes, you, are, uh, you were working this morning. What happened today? The Eagles sent Riley Cooper away from the team to get uh, to get some counseling, and it kind of set. It seemed to be setting up a situation where they might cut ties with him down the road. That's certainly when I saw it. When I saw it on Twitter, that's the first thing I thought. I know Chip Kelly had said initially he wasn't going anywhere, but once you got send a guy away, it seems like the next step. Yeah, and I read uh, Tom Pelissero of USA Today just came out with a column where he had interviewed a few executives around the league, and they seem to be unanimous in the opinion that there's no way the Eagles could get anything in a trade for Cooper right now. But they also said that if Cooper was released, he would be picked up. It might not be right away, but he would definitely get another shot. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. The guy, while he's not an elite player by any stretch, he has talent, and he's young, and, uh, you know, in this league, talent carries the day, as we've seen many times before. And, you know, I was a little curious about this uh, this assistance thing where he's going off-site. I don't know what exactly he can be assisted with other than maybe learning how to build a time machine. I don't like what <laughs> what. How can a man get assistance for this type of situation? I don't understand that. It reminds me a little bit, this situation of the Big Ben situation where the Steelers actually put Big Ben on the trade block and nobody would touch him because it was just too volatile of a situation at the time. And I bet, looking back on it, some teams probably wish they would have yes, looked into a trade. This, this was, if you're referring to the, the bar incident during... The bar-bathroom incident? The bar-bathroom incident. We, you know, If you really want to know more, uh, you could look up on the internet uh, details of that wonderful incident for Big Ben. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a situation where he became this toxic figure and... He got suspended for it, which obviously Riley Cooper will not be suspended for it. But, yeah, it just goes to show you, you know, who talks about that anymore with Big Ben. He's a guy that he moved on from it. Uh, He won a Super Bowl uh, several months later, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, So Riley Cooper is still, this is a unique situation, whereas Roethlisberger was implicated in some pretty uh, terrible things. Cooper... It's one of those touchstone type things that everybody has an opinion on, and it's just you know there's a video involved which made it made it easier to go viral when it first hit on Wednesday. So you know the one thing that's interesting to me, and you know I listen, I understand the Eagles are in a tough spot here when one of your players uses you know the the biggest racial slur in this country, and a lot of the players on that team are African American. It's a nightmare scenario PR wise, but by by having him step away from the team and I know Cooper's the guy that came out and said he was leaving but I'm sure it was something like Riley all right let's step away for a while you know are they extending this narrative um unnecessarily because now what's going to happen is 
he will go away for however long, whether it's a week or three weeks or who knows how long. But once he returns, it's a new story again. And all the players get asked about it again. And Cooper has to have another press conference to talk about it again. So was this, from a team standpoint, was it wise to kind of extend this on their own? I don't think it is. To me, it just seems like they're trying to make the story go away for now. But like you said, it's going to have to be addressed again. Uh, and the teammates are going to be asked about it again. Riley Cooper is, of course, going to be asked about it again. So it seems whenever they do bring him back, we're starting anew, and I don't know how that solves anything. No, I don't know either. So, you know, that's the big story in the NFL this week, and one of those stories that's crossed over from the NFL to your mom knows about it, one of those type of situations. Uh, But as far as actual NFL goes, I mean, you know, maybe let's talk about it. I know Wilk on Wednesday expressed his – um, his anger that we had talked about the New York Jets two to, two I episodes wasn't in a row. Angry. I mean, the guy's filled with fury. He's upset because Mark Sanchez is from USC and he's become a whipping boy for this league. And I'm as a Jets fan upset about it. But he got to me a little bit. Well, got to me. He's right. We shouldn't be talking about the Jets all the time when they're probably an also ran in the league this Thank year. You. So, what, you know, look, I don't need the peanut gallery either. Though. Oh, I'm sorry. All <laughs> like, right. And I'm, I'm bowing down. You're right. I don't need you then to chime in, you know, with your crown I just, on. I just don't appreciate being, being called angry when I'm very calm on this side of the glass. Very look, calm. All right. You're the best. Thank you. But, okay, so let's talk about some teams that maybe are under the radar. And, uh, you know, as we spoke about downstairs, there is there seems to be what we can call a Bermuda Triangle in the – uh, s- southeastern uh, area of this country, and it's three teams. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, and the Carolina Panthers. Three NFL franchises that do not get enough love. So let's talk about them, Wes. As a transplant from uh, Tybee Island, Georgia myself, I'm aware that these teams do not get enough love, and I'm <laughs> always happy to talk about them. would much rather talk about the Panthers, Titans, and Jaguars than the New York Jets. I know. Actually, I find myself writing more... Uh, content on the Jets than any other team, only because Wes has ma- made a hardline stance not to write about the Jets since coming over to NFL.com. <laughs> so let's start with you, Dan. What is your feeling on Cam Newton this year? Well, you know what? I am a guy, I'm a Cam Newton apologist. I've always been a Cam Newton apologist. Maybe maybe that's um, somehow connected to the fact that he's a fantasy football darling for me and he's won titles for me with those epic uh, November and December runs where he takes the Panthers from 2-8 and eight to 7-9, and nine, which I've enjoyed uh, over the past couple seasons. But uh, I do think, I really do think this he's in a good spot right now because he is the guy that's forgotten among these young quarterbacks. And having another year of maturity, and when you combine, combine that with his physical skills, which to me... I kind of think he's peerless at his position in terms of when you combine the speed and power and, um, you know, his just ability to take over a game. Maybe RG3 is now in that conversation also when he's 100%. But I think Panther uh, Newton is the guy that I love to watch more than anyone in the league. Uh, he came out today. <clears throat> he spoke to uh, Sterling Sharp on Inside Training Camp Live, and uh, he had this to say. I just think it's, it's, it's time for me. And, you know, it's no more, no more uh, excuses in my, my part. You know, first year was, was, is, is gone. Second year is gone. You know, now I'm considered somewhat of a veteran mm-hmm. to these guys. You know, so, you know, taking accountability on this offense and as his team is, 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 is big for me. And that's what I wanted to come back and, and, and be one of my staples to get better. 
So, you know, there is that lip service? I don't know. But I do think he's potentially a guy under the radar that could have a big season. The Panthers are, are my pick for the team that will come out of nowhere to make the playoffs in the NFC this year. Mm, not not just because Cam played so well down the stretch last year, but if you remember early in the year, they lost a lot of games by a touchdown or less. Uh, their kicker got fired for blowing a game or two. Yep. They had that uh, Grizzly loss to Atlanta that they had no business Right, losing. and after they moved Luke Keekley to middle linebacker, they were a top 10 NFL defense. So th- this is a very intriguing team to me. So do you see, that if you say they're a playoff team, I mean – you're saying this is a team that can win nine or ten games and hang in their division. They have that type of ability. Absolutely, I would. I've I've picked them only behind the Falcons in the NFC South. I think the Saints have too many questions on defense. The Panthers are a more complete team right now. What about the idea of uh, the Panthers not doing enough to surround Newton with talent? You know, I think Newton's gotten himself in trouble last year, uh, specifically in the early part of last year when he was trying to do too much. You know, they didn't go out and get him another wide receiver. And you have Steve Smith, who's another one of my favorite players. But, you know, he's entering his age 34 season. Uh, Is that going to be a situation? I think if you believe Steve Smith is still a number one receiver, and we both do, and if you have Greg Olson at tight end, you don't need to have the best second wide receiver in the league. I think Brandon LaFell is good enough. It would would be nice if one of either Ted Ginn or Dominic Hickson – uh, or Armonte Edwards, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. If hmm. one of those guys stepped up as a third receiver, it would be nice. But I think they have the weapons. Uh, they do need Jonathan Stewart healthy. He's a better back than D'Angelo Williams when he's healthy. So they need that. But if they're all healthy, that is, that's a good enough offense to get to the playoffs. And who knows, maybe if they didn't give D'Angelo Williams such a terrible contract a few years back, they would have had some money to go get a wide receiver this year. That's a good point. Um, okay, so moving forward, uh, the Titans, okay, we got – Another team that, you know, you look at them on paper and you think maybe they can contend for a playoff spot, right? Right. They have the talent at running back and wide receiver. Uh, Delaney Walker's a bit of a question mark at tight end because he's never started before. But uh, what I found interesting was Sean Jefferson, the wide receivers coach, kind of went off on Justin Hunter this week, the rookie. And I've seen other sites kind of blowing that out of proportion. That's just Sean Jefferson's M.O. He likes to light a fire under young guys. Uh, he did it with Titus Young in Detroit. That didn't work out quite as well. Oh <laughs> but, yeah. I, I don't know if that was on him, though. I think uh, Kendall Wright's lost 15 pounds, which he definitely needed to lose because he couldn't make plays after the catch last year. Yeah. They have some interesting some interesting skill position players on offense. And it's easy to forget Kenny Britt's season last year was wiped out. But you go back to Kenny Britt before the ACL injury in September 2011 – he was turning into a monster. And now having another year, full health, as long as he keeps his head on straight, which is obviously a big uh, question mark with him, he could be a dynamic dude. But, you know, it all goes back also to the quarterback. And, you know, is Jake Locker the guy? Because, you could, you know, I agree. I think this is a team that could uh, be a potential five or six seed. But at the same time, it only, they only go as far as Locker progresses. And he has weapons around him. He's got Chris Johnson, who's, you know, talking about 2,000 yards again. All right, Chris. But he has these receivers, uh, and he has a new offensive line, uh, interior offensive line that's very impressive. I mean, it's all there if this guy can progress. Do you see it happening, though? He's in his third year, and he's still fundamentally flawed uh, as a, with his mechanics and his footwork. I think it's very telling that the Titans are moving to a run-first offense. That tells you what they think of Jake Locker right now. Right. He has all the talent in the world, 
but he's not ready to lead a team, to lead a passing attack that can take a team to the playoffs. Okay, and then there's the Jaguars, and uh, I don't know. You know, you want Blaine Gabbert, he deserves one more shot at this, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen for this dude. And, you know, it, it, to me, Blaine Gabbert is going to lose this competition to Chad Henney, isn't he? I think so, and I think uh, I found it interesting when they asked Mark, Mike Malarkey earlier in the offseason, who coached the Jaguars last year, his prediction, and he said Chad Henney's a better quarterback than Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> I thought that was pretty telling since he was part of the regime that drafted Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, the new coaching staff, the new front office has been so pro-Blaine all offseason, and then they get to training camp and see that he's just not as good as maybe they hoped he would be. I think Chad Henney can move the offense. He'll take too many sacks. He'll throw too many interceptions. He won't be that accurate. But he can get that offense up and down the field, which I don't think Gabbert can do. It's hard to imagine uh, them not targeting a quarterback next May, right? 100% chance. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we can't count out uh, Gabbert until we actually see him, at least in preseason games, but it's not looking too well. So that is our update on the Bermuda Triangle. We can check in at some point. I don't know if podcast ratings just drop through the floor talking about those teams. Wilk, what does your uh, supercomputer say? Supercomputer uh, has suddenly broken for some reason. I don't know, <laughs> no. I don't know what that That's means. That's definitely not a good not sign. A good sign. Uh, so speaking, of, you know, we were just talking on the QB battle in, in Jacksonville. Uh, there are other QB battles going on right now. Uh, so let's go through them. Uh, in Buffalo, Wes, I know you had mentioned downstairs uh, EJ Manuel. What are your thoughts on that situation? Well, I wrote about this this morning. Kevin Cobb his accuracy's been off. He, he has never dealt with the blitz well. And that's been an issue already in training camp. Uh, Cobb has the second highest sack rate among all active quarterbacks behind David Carr, who was sacked an ungodly amount of times when the, when the Houston <laughs> Texans guy. franchise just started. He still can't sleep through the night. <laughs> and, and I don't see that changing for Cobb. E.J. Manuel, on the other hand, the GM came out this week, says he has the it factor. He's going to be the face, face of the franchise. He's outplayed Cobb the last three or four days of practices. I don't see how that momentum really changes. As Greg likes to say, the tie goes to the rookie now in, the, in today's yeah. NFL. It wasn't always like that, but it is now. And I just I would be shocked if Cobb is under center in week one. You know what? The thing to me, I, I do think these teams have to be careful with the tie going to the rookie. And I think last year was one of those things where it could instill a false sense of confidence in these coaches and GMs where you had just a special crop of guys, RG3, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, uh, the type of guys that could take a team and lead them you know, into the playoffs. And even a guy like Ryan Tannehill where it was clear that he had the stuff to hang in the league even if he wasn't fully developed yet. Um, but, you know, does that mean that every guy should get thrown into the fire now if the if the incumbent isn't a overwhelming favorite for the job? It just seems to be a risky move, and you know that kind of leads us into the Jets, who have well, we have to talk about the Jets a little bit, Wilk. We won't hang on it though. Hmm. Oh man. Hmm. All right, he's, he's shooting. You know daggers what? I'm up. just gonna I'm just gonna fade you down here. <laughs> um, all right, you bring me right, back. Oh, you thank go. you very much. Uh, no, with the Jets, we have Geno Smith, who you know from all reports, seems to be uh, heading into the driver's seat on this job. I mean, again, it's there's only so much you could see without training camp, without preseason games. But uh, Mark Sanchez is not having a great uh, training camp from, from what we're hearing, and Smith is starting to inspire confidence in his teammates, and the coaches are speaking highly of him. 
So it, it seems like it all, all it's all pointing to the Jets going for that fresh start. Uh, but I don't know if Geno Smith's in a good spot there because he doesn't have an offense around him. You know, the Jets situation is fascinating because what's good for John Idzik isn't necessarily good for Rex Ryan. Mm-hmm. And we talked Idzik about drafted that. Geno Smith, yeah, and Rex Ryan Sanchez is his guy. I don't know that. Uh, what's interesting there also is that Sanchez has the same problem as Cobb. If you blitz him, he he just folds. He's right. terrible under pressure, and I don't know how you're going to reverse that. I get your point about the rookies. You can't just rush them in there and point to last year, which was the exception. Those those three guys, and if you include Tannehill, four guys, there might not be a single quarterback in this year's draft class that can hang with those guys. So I understand that, but I don't know that there's any sense in running out uh, a veteran quarterback in week one if he can't deal with, with pressure in the pocket. Okay, and then over in Philadelphia, uh, when they're not dealing with Riley Cooper madness, you have the Michael Vick versus Nick Foles. What do you see going on there? I think that's Vick's job to lose, and it looks like he is pulling away quite a bit from Foles, who last year, to me, what disturb disturbing thing about Foles was he was a check-down machine, and he was brutal in the red zone. I don't see how... After they drafted Matt Barkley, it kind of told me that Foles wasn't their guy. Right. So I, I don't see why Foles would why they would pick Foles over Vic in this competition. And one thing I think to to keep in mind or, and to take out of the whole Cooper situation is that, you know, the team called on Vic to be their leader in that situation, and he spoke for the team, and he had the private conversation with Cooper before Cooper ever spoke to the rest of the teammates in the locker room. The guy, you know. There's plenty of reasons not to like Michael Vick, but from everything we hear, the guy is known as, like, a respected dude in the locker room. And, you know, when you see what's happening with that team and seeing the team turning to him, it's hard to imagine him then being the backup quarterback. Right, I I agree. He That speaks volumes that they're turning to him as a spokesperson. And then one more, one more quarterback. It's not a quarterback competition because um, we know Jason Campbell's not going to beat out Brandon Whedon, but uh, you had some thoughts about Peter King, who – is you know traveling around with his new website mondaymorningquarterback.com uh and you know he usually the the part of the king appeal is it's usually a sunny side up type view on things so when he has a negative take on something it, it you know it gets people to look and he he didn't have great things to say about Brandon Whedon he said flat out that Whedon is not the answer for the Browns at quarterback and I'm kind of torn on this because I believe the same thing Whedon is not the answer on the other hand Peter King, as much as we respect him for his sources, and his sor- he's very good at what he does when he's, when he's reporting. But his history as a talent evaluator is brutal. This is a guy who has advised fantasy, fantasy owners to draft Eddie Royal and Jabbar Gaffney and Donald Jones. I mean, Peter, Peter's forte is not talent evaluation. If he's getting this information from Rob Chodzinski or Michael Lombardi, which he may very well be if he's coming out this strongly, then it's pretty telling. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know that the Browns really have that much to look forward to on offense this year. Yeah, I mean, Whedon's going to get his shot, and uh, that's almost the most he could ask for because with the regime change, it looked for a second there, if it was a better quarterback class, he would have already been supplanted. But he's going to get his shot. It just doesn't seem he, he might not have a lot of support in the building. Okay, so as we said earlier, Greg Rosenthal, our boss, is in Canton for the Hall of Fame. We need to check in with him. There's a couple things. Actually, I want to talk to him about something that happened last night uh, while I was handling the late news shift. We'll start with that. So, Wilktie, can you uh, give Greg a call? Let's do it. Hello. 
Greg Rosenthal. This is Dan Hansis with Chris Wessling, the Around the League podcast. Oh, so we're on. We we're, are on. We're doing it. Tell us what's going on in Canton right now. Uh, just had a pretty long media session with all the uh, enshrinees. It was pretty cool. Bill Parcells. The people, someone asked me, like, who's the coolest person to see because you're walking by 30 or 40 Hall of Famers and and, you know, you, it's kind of overwhelming. And, but Bill Parcells, for me, as a kid, as someone that grew up in the Northeast, is kind of the coolest guy to me. Yeah, that, that actually kind of checks out for me, too. When I, having grown up in New York, um, at the Super Bowl in February, we were, I guess, I think it was before the game, we were in a tunnel by the field level at the Superdome, and Parcells came strolling by with a big pair of aviators, and he just had that kind of... Uh, godlike appeal to a, a football fan like me. I just seemed, I just got a little starstruck when I saw him. Yeah, I got that. And and just everything, I mean, it's now the kinder, gentler, reflective Parcel. So, I mean, he was great. I could have just sat there and listened to him the whole time. Chris Cardner uh, broke down crying within two or three minutes of talking, talking about, um, you know, overcoming uh, his alcohol problems and really had to stop the press conference for for a couple minutes. I mean, it, it was wow. more of a casual setting, but he, he couldn't get it back together. So it's cool seeing these guys, you know, in this setting because you realize how much it means to them. Yeah, I mean, Chris Carter is was definitely one of my personal favorite players of the 90s. When Once he got his head on straight and went to the Vikings, was there ever, ever a guy that was better at getting his feet in bounds in the back or corner of an end zone than Chris Carter? Yeah, and I, I kind of asked him what, you know, I asked him a few different questions, but one was, you know, what sort of was his style as a player, what to find him, and and he kind of joked, but he was just like, you throw it, I catch it. He's like, <laughs> if, he's like, if someone's on me, I catch it. If someone is over the, if two people are over the top of me, I catch it. If it's away from my body, I catch it. If I'm on the end zone, you know, end zone line, I catch it. And <laughs> it was a pretty good. I felt like that was a pretty good summary of of what made him special. Yeah, I think he probably had the best hands of anyone in his generation. Um, so you know, it's great that you're out there, Greg. But also, we we're not completely sure that you're going to be able to give us any production because you had you had what what would be documented as a pretty awful uh, technical issue yesterday. So you got to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. So I lost the letter T. Um, I think it might have been a little condensation for water or something, but no, the, the letter T was no longer working. And the letter T is important. Um, Duh has the letter T. <laughs> yes. Rosenthal has the letter T, so you can't log into uh, your computer if, uh, if that's your last name. So it was a problem. Uh, it slowed me down a little, but uh, I'm, I'm bouncing back. I've decided that you have turf toe. You are the Ladanian Tomlinson of the Around the League crew. You you have been felled by the letter T. I, I have a lot of computer problems, I feel like. In general, that sort of follows follows me around like, like the black. I, like, I, I have a friend that always gets injured, so this is like my equivalent of that. Yeah, and like turf toe is also the injury where it's a legitimate injury, but, you know, nobody, you know, when you hear it explained as the injury, it's not very impressive. But when you say you lose the letter T on your keyboard, that's pretty devastating. But people probably don't take it seriously. That's, you know, that's what no, we're talking No, it's hard enough to get taken seriously as, <laughs> as uh, someone that looks like he's 14 years old uh, trying to interview these guys. So the, losing the letter T is just another, another thing on top of that. All right, so what else is going on out there? What, what, how is the rest of the weekend going to play out? Uh, they have uh, the Enshrinee dinner tonight, which I'm going to go to. They, they have the luncheon uh, this afternoon, which 
they do not allow any media, even even our photographer. Uh, I did this photo essay, kind of going through the hall and picking out some crazy stuff that's going to go up. I'm excited about that. Nice. We got, you know, we got the uh, the big ceremony tomorrow night with a game on Sunday. Uh, I might try to hit up Friendly's restaurant while I'm here. Chris might know a little bit about Friendly's. Oh, have that in I've spent some yeah. time in Friendly's. Like, yeah, oh yeah, Friendly's the chain restaurant. Right. Oh yeah, Friendly's was great. I remember going there with my dad after uh, we saw Aliens Three in the theater. <laughs> we went to Friendly's. It was one of those moments that sticks with you. So they have that in Canton. Good times. I can give a preview. You know, I I, I have heard, um, you know, some inside scoop on who's going to have the long speech. There was one speech that was only two minutes long, and they they had to tell him to to beef it beef it up a little. I know Chris Carter. Uh, this isn't you know a secret, but Chris Carter is going to close out. Uh, the day and that's a big spot. You know they kind of they kind of give it away who they think is going to have the best speech by by who's last. They went Warren Sapp second to last, and he was the big star here today. Like he had the most attention. He pretty much had people laughing for about forty five minutes. Uh, but he's going to be second to last, and Chris Carter is going to going to close it up. Is Warren Sapp is he going to be able to keep it together? Because I was watching NFL Network had some type of special on yesterday. You know, walk up to the to the ceremony, and Sap just lost it um, sitting in a studio. I can't imagine what's going to be happening in front of all those people and family members. Yeah, I thought the same thing when I, when I was, you know, with Chris Carter earlier, too, is that he, he literally was two or three minutes into just a pretty casual session with reporters, and he had to stop for a couple minutes. He got so emotional. Sap, I think, is, you know, he'll cry. It would be interesting to see Bill Parcells cry. He's he's kind of the one guy you're not really sure. Or Larry Allen. I I can't really imagine Larry Allen no. crying. Like Larry Allen cracked me up. At, like I I went and talked to him for a bit. Every every answer was funny and to the point, but it was like four four words long. I I feel like his <laughs> speech is not going to involve any crying. And uh, is Curtis Martin uh, introducing uh, Parcells? He is not. Oh, uh, it is George Martin actually. Um, who Parcells always kind of talked about as the ultimate uh, Parcells guy, the ultimate giant. Uh, but, uh, but Martin is here, uh, like a lot of the former players. Um, he talked, you know, I talked to him a little bit about Parcells um, today, and you know, he's just—I don't know. You, I know you're, you're as, a, as a big Jets fan, like you couldn't have a better ambassador than Curtis Martin. He was just very, very impressive. Yeah, and I'm so the best part of it is that we took him from your Patriots at the prime of his career and it will never you'll never give up you'll never forget about it and that's what feels good <laughs> and uh yeah i mean parcells and martin kind of together really kind of kick-started the whole the whole patriot jets thing i hope someone tomorrow has a speech close to as affecting as curtis martin because to me that goes i love these i love hall of fame week and i've never been here but i always like watching it on tv then we can hear it in your down, voice. You, one you, of the best, you, sound, uh, you sound giddy right now. Positively. I am. All thank- right. I'll, I'll see you guys Monday. Okay. Thank you and have fun. Enjoy it. Kindler, gentler Bill Parcells. No big cars or big cigars and motor cars quotes or <laughs> if he die- doesn't bite as a puppy, he won't bite. Yeah, well, he yeah, he was one of the great quote men of all time. I'm sure he'll have a good a few good ones. And I'm actually a little surprised he's not closing it out because I feel like Parcells could deliver a killer speech, and I'm sure he he's will. He's charismatic. Um, okay, so that is it for this week of the ATL podcast, our first full week. So that was pretty good. So again, yeah, download, uh, download, and subscribe on the iTunes page or however you get content. And we will be back next week with three more shows. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.